Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, my name is Jonna, and I play football for Chelsea FC and for the Swedish national team. And you are listening to the Blue Day podcast. Hello Chelsea supporters, welcome back my friends to the podcast that will never end. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, the creator, the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence. And joining me again this week is my good friend, a man who eats, sleeps, breathes Chelsea Football Club. It's Steve Wick. Steve, welcome back this week. Not been a bad week, has it, for Chelsea Football Club? An- another trophy, another three points. Sun was out yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. listen, it's been a great week. You know, and I, I don't think we should... Uh, I hope Chelsea fans don't take that Super Cup, uh, you know, lightly because that's, that's an achievement. That's brilliant. And although we didn't play to our best, we still won the thing. And uh, it's a great start to the season. See, we were... Uh, yeah, just it just shows sort of the the, the gulf between you know the uh, Premier League in terms of the top teams and the uh, the also runs really because we look really good Saturday. Well, I want to talk about the Super Cup to begin with, and then we'll talk about uh, a certain situation that happened at Stamford Bridge on Saturday that nearly affected me, and it did affect nearly a thousand supporters. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the game itself against Crystal Palace and how I have had to eat humble pie, Steve, actually, after the Saturday game. Because I did mention last week about the lack of players potentially coming through from the academy and who's going to be the next breakout star. Well, after his goal, his debut goal, I had to eat humble pie rather than a chicken balti pie. And we'll talk about that. And obviously, we'll do a preview to the Mahoosive game against the mid-table North London side and I'm not just talking I'm not talking about Tottenham I'm talking about Arsenal who couldn't buy anything from Brentford so we'll talk about the first a Super Cup a trophy that we last won in 98 by beating Real Madrid Gus Poyet scoring late in that game over the last few years we've lost on penalties to certain sides you know, likes of Bayern, we lost to Atletico. We got trounced when Di Matteo was in charge. And last Wednesday, we played Villarreal, who knocked out Manchester United to win the Europa League. And they are a tough out. They are a tough team to beat. They've got some good players, the yellow submarine. But I expected to win. There was only a few certain... Um, Issues that I had with the lineup. I was surprised with Marcos Alonso starting, compared considering we had Ben Chilwell playing uh, part of the squad. Excuse me. And looking at obviously the team that we had, I was surprised that Achalaba started rather than Thiago Silva. I want to talk about Trevor later on, but I was surprised with the lineup, Steve. But the first half we were outstanding. Mm, we got the I goal. Agree. With Hakim Ziyech, which unfortunately damaged his shoulder. And we do hope he has a very speedy recovery because he looks 
pre-season and even last week. Such a different player from last season. He did. He did. He, he played really well. First half, we were outstanding. Um, and I thought, hold on, we're going to win this. We're going to romp this. But to be fair to them, a little bit like the Man United game, that they do hang on that, that team. They've got something about them where they never give up. And in the end, as a Chelsea fan, I hate to say it, I thought we were a bit fortunate to, to hang on to penalties, to be honest. Uh, but again, that shows the other side of Chelsea. That so shows the grit and determination to just to win the hard way. And, uh, you know, we did. We won. Well, so, uh, well, I was just going to say, Steve, the main thing that got I got out of it was how Tuchel managed the squad. And yes, the second half wasn't great to watch. And Villarreal got the equaliser from not some great work for our defensive midfield areas. But we managed to keep it on to penalties. And then he makes one of the, at the time, one of the most weirdest substitutions I've ever seen in my life by bringing on a keeper who came in for big money, hasn't impressed, threw a wobbly at Wembley, which a lot of, from what I've heard since Wednesday, a lot of it has come out whereby it wasn't just um, Kepa's fault. But he comes on for just for the penalties. He saves two of them and we win the trophy. And everyone, it seems, is happy to have Kepa. How crazy a game of football can... Uh, couldn't work. No, listen, I agree with that to a certain extent, Keith, but he must have something. We paid a huge amount of money for him in goalkeeper terms. I think he was the world's... uh, World's most expensive, yeah. As a goalkeeper. Um, So we've got an investment in him. Now, if he goes now, we're going to lose an awful lot of money. So it's a real... I think he's rebuilding him. He's building him up from the foundations again. Because he's young enough He's, you know, in goalkeeper terms, he's got a long time left. Um, and that will do him the world of good, his confidence, the world of good. And um, listen, that's a brave decision, but it but it works. And, you know, when he goes into his stats, the manager, and says how many penalties he saved, and he looked into it and he was going to do that anyway, if that happened, dearie me, he's very, very shrewd the way he, you know, he, he, he researches his games and his thoughts. To do that, that, that is a big decision. Well, I don't Steve, think he's on at the moment, can he? Well, I was going to say, how many managers would actually have the guts? I was going to say something stronger then, but how many managers would actually have the guts to do that with 119th minute and go, right, sub-goalkeeper, you're coming on? Did they not do that in Holland, though, Keith? Did the, the Norwich goalkeeper come on for penalties? Well, the last, I would say the last five, at least 10 years, you've seen it more often than not, especially in cup games and what have you. But it's something that, as a, again, growing up, I, I don't ever recall seeing that in the 90s. I mean, I know that certain players came on to take a penalty. I remember Chelsea in the Champions League against Liverpool in 2007. Jose put on two players late on in extra time just to take penalties and they both missed. So it can yeah. work out sort of, you know, good thing and a bad thing. But I was just shocked and I just thought, what's he doing? Has he gone absolutely mad? So I wasn't sort of confident when it came to the penalties. But again, Kepa proved myself. He proved a whole load of Chelsea fans wrong. And it was amazing. And I, and I mean this, it was amazing to hear Tuchel's explanation on it afterwards. Yeah. Whereby he just said, based on the stats, Kepa is a better penalty saver than Mendy. So why not? Yeah, no. <laughs> why I, not? I think that, yeah, I think he's done his homework. You know, he's done mm. his homework. And as I said to you, listen, he's had a lot of lows. And it's quite nice that he's had a high now, as a, you know, uh, as a player. Mm. He, it's nice. And uh, it's a rebuilding ex- exercise. He's gone to the foundations. Now he's coming back up again. They're doing the world of good. And again, let's not forget, people sort of have rated him as the worst goalkeeper of all times. I think that's a little... For me, I've, I'm Kepa's biggest critic, but I do think that's unfair. 
Bearing in mind, he was our goal. He was our first choice goalkeeper when we won the Europa League under Sari. So, as you say, going back to your point, there is a keeper there, and let's not forget there was a time before we signed him. Real Madrid were persistent on him. Real Madrid really wanted him there. There's a reason why, when you've got clubs such as Real Madrid, Barcelona before they pretty much crumbled, there's a reason why these top clubs want these players. It's not just because of they like the agent or they like to stay in Spain. They're top players. So maybe, as you say, Steve, there is a player there. I'm not expecting him to play too many Premier League games. Cup games is probably different because Tuchel changed it round for the cup games. So I expect Kepa to be our cup goalie. So we shall see. You never know. Kepa might pull off a weldy again. He might pull off some good saves. And again, his confidence will grow because what I thought was quite telling, and I think this shows what Tuchel's done in the short space of time with the team ethos, everybody, players, subs, players that weren't even part of the subs bench, all ran to Kepper at the final whistle after yeah. him saving the penalty. Yeah, I think players appreciate mates having a hard time. Hmm. Um, and you also respect players on how they handle it. Um, and he's still there. He's still working it hard. And he's still trying to prove, and he will be trying to prove, that he's a good goalkeeper. Um, and every little, as Tesco would say, every little helps. And that was a, quite a big chunk on uh, on Wednesday. Well, I will retract my statement by saying that I don't think Kepa will go. I, I, don't, I don't believe he will now. I think Kepa will stay in the Chelsea squad. And again, he could actually be a useful addition to the squad. Again, as you say, Kepper pulls off a great performance like that. It gives Mendy something to think about, which keeps Mendy on these toes. How many times have you seen, how many times have you seen a number one goalie? He looks over to one side and sees a average number two. And he's thinking, I'm going to be number one here for the next couple of years. And his performance dips a little bit. That's why I'm thinking someone like Edison at Manchester City, his performances haven't been the same for at least maybe one or two years. I know City won the league and what have you, but competition-wise, and as you say, Steve, it's important. When you look at the team, there's competition everywhere. Oh, everywhere. I I think that's dead right. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, I think one of the biggest mistakes Arsenal have made, for instance, is selling Martinez to um, Aston Villa. Mm. I think that's a massive mistake. And they're looking to replace him with Ramsdale. And I'm, th- I'm looking and saying, well, why on earth did you sell, you know, Martinez? He's been outstanding. Mm. So I think it's quite good, actually, especially with, with how we work at times, to give a player a real chance, a real chance, rather than, oh, he's been crap, out the door. Go, off you go. You know, and I think he might come good. And mentally... And a goalkeeper needs mental strength. Trust me, that's the one position that does need it. That will do him a world of good and harden him to everything. And he might come back a better goalkeeper. Well, one player that, as you say, his confidence will be through the roof is Trevor Chalabar. And what a week he's had. This is this is a guy who went out on loan last year in France. Played every, played every game pretty much, you know, in in Ligue 1. And it's people say it's it's a poor league. It's just there's only one team that wins it. I, I do tend to disagree on that. You do get a lot of good technical players that play in the French league, and there's a reason why clubs around the world look at the French league for players. There's a reason for that. And Trevor Chalabar has got his chance. Had a good preseason, from from what I can understand, and from what Tuchel has explained, the reasons why he's still in the team. I was shocked to hear after the game that he was linked with a loan move, and he was quite close to joining an unnamed Premier League and a Championship club. There was two clubs that were interested in him last week. That's all gone dead now, and you know, fantastic, another academy product that's coming through. And you said it last week, Steve, there's that conveyor belt of players that are coming through and they're not just average Joes. These are talented players 
that can make the step up to first-team football at Chelsea. I don't think I've ever seen a better debut in the Premier League than that. As a centre-back, I look at that and I, that's where that boy could become our Van Dyke. Very rarely do I see a player so comfortable on the ball and he's prepared to go past players. And, and everything. And then, you know, when he got physical, he got physical. Every bit of his game, game was... And what I loved, I loved the emotion that only kids can give that have been at a club since they were eight when he scored that goal. Oh, that, yes, against that, Crystal Palace, yes. Yeah, that, that to me was an iconic moment where you realise that, you know, everyone that, that has played for Chelsea has that feeling about the club, especially when you've been there from a young age. And it was just, just lovely. It was, it was like a, a journey back in time. And, um, and I just thought he was absolutely... That boy has got everything. When he got physical, when Bateki tried to sort of sort him out, he was there, he had none of it. Benteke left something on him, but Chaloba, although he was on the floor for just a little bit, he did get back up and he just carried on. He didn't react. He just carried on with it. It was absolutely outstanding. And what I hope is when you see a player like that with that ability, that he is given the opportunity. Mm. Mm. But I think Thomas Tuchel will look at that and say, my God, that boy has got some ability. And he's come up the hard way to Chelsea. He's been probably away from Chelsea more than he's been at Chelsea. But he's mm. learned his trade and I'll tell you what, he looks one hell of a player. And I would go as far as to say not only for Chelsea but for England as well. Potentially, yeah. There, there, is, there is a potential avenue again for him. Maybe not next year at the World Cup but certainly the Euros in a few years' yeah. time, most definitely. He's got to be in contention. Oh. But as you as you say, before we talk, before we do talk about Palace, just want to wrap up the Super Cup. It, it was it was a great win. Yes, people see it as the European version of the Community Shield. I disagree. You know, every time Chelsea are in the Super Cup, I want to win it because it's a trophy. You know, you want that in the trophy cabinet to say this was a great side that won not just the Champions League or the Europa League, but the Super Cup as well. And you are part of the elite European sides that win the Super Cup, and it was great for Aspilicueta to lift the trophy, and again, it, it gives another little bit to Thomas Tuchel, another little tick, whereby yeah. he's got a little bit of safety in the bank, so if there is a little bit of a bad patch... Yeah, that, 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 that's probably, you know, got him two weeks, uh, two weeks, uh, a couple of games more if anything goes wrong. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe. No, no. Listen, <laughs> When I remember, I, I remember listening to TalkSport and, um, and the Liverpool fans uh, coming on and saying, oh, we're, we're this and we've done that and we've done this. and we've, Well, we've done what they've done. We're one short now, aren't we? The World Club Championship. But, uh, you know, it meant a lot to them that they won that cup and it should do to us as well. Because all those people say, oh, it's like a charity shield. I bet wish they had the, the, the opportunity to have won that. Hmm. I.e., when you know, be Champions League uh, winners. Well, I'm sure the North London sides wouldn't mind a trophy here or there, you know, maybe. But (laughs) before we do talk about Crystal Palace, and that's when I want to talk talk about a certain Trevor Chaloba, there was a bit of an issue this week, uh, sorry, last week, in regards to the Matthew Harding stand that Chelsea Football Club announced late on Thursday. Now, Steve, I'm sort of mentioned to you off off air and I think I briefly mentioned it last week that I was looking to go to Palace. I had my ticket. I've got my season tickets in the Matthew Harding end, block 16 by the corner flag. I had to get a lateral flow test done for it on the Thursday. So I drove all the way to Charlton and before I get out the car, my phone's pigging and it's going quite consistently i'm thinking okay what what's happened i look there's all these messages keith have you seen this keith i can't believe chelsea are doing this so i look on them i look on the messages i look online and chelsea announced that due to issues with their contractors who were building 
the safe standing row and making Matthew Harding more appeasable for people that want to stand on a on a more consistent basis. There was issues with the equipment. There was issues with what they were putting into the stands, and they couldn't guarantee the st- the the whole stand to be completed. So there was a potential that over at least 2,000, 3,000 fans would not be going to the game on Saturday. I was one of them. Oh, God. So on Thursday, I spoke to a few people that I knew had good connections to tickets, and I mentioned to them what was going on. And they said, hang fire. We'll see, see what happens. Chelsea then announced again that they would make a further announcement Friday at three o'clock. So 24 hours before kickoff, which section of the stand would be closed, which section would be open. They said that they would work 24 hours to make sure it would be all sorted. Believe that how, how, how you will. And there would be announcement further on. So Thursday night, I'm thinking I'm not going. This is disaster. You know, I've paid for my ticket. There's loads of other people I know who have been to going to Chelsea far longer than I have. Probably have seen you play when you made your debut for Chelsea. They've they've been going to Chelsea and they won't be going to the first match of the season. First game in 18 months in a full stadium. So on Friday, I find out from the club, I find out from other people within Chelsea and supporters that the block that I have my season ticket in is not is not going to be ready. So Friday at half three, I'm now thinking, oh, that's it, I'm done. I, I, there's no way I can go. Thankfully, due to speaking to a few people that I know, I did manage to get a seat. And I would like to publicly thank this individual who helped me with this. And his name is Peter Trenter. So, Peter, if you do listen to this podcast, I know there's certain people that know Peter. Tell him thank you from Keith Lawrence and the Blue Day podcast because if it wasn't for him, well, my my weekend would have been absolutely ruined. It was down to him yeah. that he helped me with somebody to get a ticket. But the other reason why I wanted to bring this up was I we have quite a bit of a quite a bit of a fan support from across the world. And Steve, you know this, I've mentioned to you certain countries that have listened to this podcast. We've got a an avid supporter who likes everything that we put on Instagram and Facebook, chap called Marcus Carlyle. Now, this individual I do not know from Adam. I've never seen before, before Saturday. So, complete stranger. I find out from Facebook that he is at Dublin Airport He's booked flights to come over for the first home game of the season because he bought tickets. He found out that the tickets he's bought was in the the section that is not available now. So he's at the airport trying to get a Chelsea ticket. Thankfully, I've managed to get him one that was at the West End Upper. So I told him, I've got you a ticket. It's yours if you want it. He flew all the way from Dublin on the Friday afternoon for Chelsea, met him, gave him his ticket. He had a wonderful time. And I felt quite pleased, not only just obviously to see uh, a supporter of the podcast, but the fact that I was able, I felt quite relieved to help somebody that was in, was in need. The fact that he was at the airport pretty much about to leave. He was about to, he was about to leave after thinking about checking in and all of a sudden he, he's, he won't be able to go. Managed to get him a ticket, saw him, it's great to see him. But my God, Chelsea have got a lot to answer to. I know they said after on Friday that the fans that had a ticket, they can get a refund if they wish. And if they want it, they can get a free home ticket for any Champions League group stage game. Yeah. Now, Steve, I just want to get your thoughts quickly on it. My personal opinion on it, I think Chelsea have bulged up massively. I think the company that was in charge of building the safe standing at, at Matthew Harding cocked up massively. And the impression I got from supporters, the feedback I got from the supporters that 
missed out um, was a case of, well, they took, they had enough time to do it. They had 18 months and they spent enough time sorting out the West End upper where the tickets are more expensive and you get a better clientele rather than us riffraff that sitting by the corner flags and we only pay 40 pounds less than what they do. So Steve, just wanted to get your thoughts on it, whether or not you heard about it from last week and yeah, what have you, yeah. and yeah. just a complete utter shambles. Yeah, I, I, listen. The one thing that uh, the one thing that slightly makes me upset is that Chelsea has become a very corporate football club, um, and the corporates, and that's why at Stamford Bridge sometimes the atmosphere isn't as good as it it normally would be or has been in the past is because and obviously running a football club costs an awful lot of money but they must never forget the people that really are the the people that matter the true Chelsea supporters who exactly like Marcus who you, who you explained that would come all the way from Ireland and, and, and you know and he's paid for his flight and he's got probably a hotel room sorted. You know, to me, every Chelsea fan uh, matters. Um, but Chelsea have become very corporate, very corporate. And um, that's the one thing I, I, I don't like too much, is mm. that uh, that view that maybe we look after the, the big wigs rather than the, the life and soul of the club. 908 supporters... Those are, those are how many seats were not available. There was quite yeah. a few on Block 16, which is by the corner flag near the East End. And there was about over just two, over 200 of the corner flag near the West End. And there was one story that I did hear um, from, I got, a, Blue Day Podcast got an email. Uh, if, if you do wish to get in touch with us, get in touch at the Blue Day Podcast at gmail.com. Gentleman by the name of Jim, and he asked me not to mention his surname, but Jim emailed me on Thursday night when he found out what was going on. And he told me the story of he was looking to take his son, him and his wife was looking to take his son to the, his first game. He, they promised yeah. him when he was young, he would take him to his first home game. That was supposed to be last year, but because of lockdown, it weren't to happen. So they waited a year. So, he promised him he would take him to the first home game. He, unfortunately, was affected with the seats. He was meant to be in by the, by the corner flag as well. And he told me the story whereby he was looking to buy the tickets. And unfortunately, his wife passed away by the time lockdown finished. Wife passed away about four months ago. So he made a promise to his son that no matter what, he would make sure his son goes to Chelsea for the first home game because they promised him last year. Unfortunately, I got an email from him on Sunday. I, I emailed him back to you know to hope hope he's okay and hope his son's okay. His, his, his son's name was Jacob and just wished him hope he's okay. And if you did find if you did find tickets, he lives southeast London. Emailed back saying he couldn't, weren't able to go. His son was upset. But he explained to his son that it wasn't his fault, what have you. It was down to the club, but he promised he would help him out. And it sort of put a lump in me throat a little bit because I'm thinking, again, as you've just said, Steve, Chelsea is for everyone. Chelsea, it don't matter what race, don't matter what gender, doesn't matter what age you are. If you're a fan of Chelsea, you, you, have, the, you, you have the right to go. And if you've bought a ticket before the game, you should be able to go and the fact that he weren't able to go and his son who's seven now weren't able to go because of that it did put a lump in me throat I did start thinking about him when I was there at the game and yeah. but so what I have done Steve here at the podcast we do care about supporters and I've sorted out a megastore voucher for him put in 50 quid I've sent the megastore voucher over to him so it was so it's in his name I've sent it over, so if there's anything that he wanted, he can have at the Megastore from the Blue Day podcast. Oh, that's a, <clears throat> that's a lovely gesture, Keith. That really is a nice gesture. And sometimes I wish Chelsea uh, 
thought like that because we are, you know, we, we, we're a little bit, the club is renowned for being a bit cutthroat sometimes. And I think it's, uh, you know, but having said that, when we did uh, the Eddie McCready book um, in Under the Bridge, um, you know, this is, and there was about 3,000 people turned up and more than anyone ever expected. You know, there was a, a message that Roman had paid for all the drinks behind, put a thing behind the bar that would pay for all the drinks. He was going to pay for all the drinks all night. So, is it Roman or is it the people that are running the, the football club? You know, I, I, he seems to me, as I said, there were 3,000 people there and they had a few drinks. That would have cost him a fortune, but he paid the whole thing. Hmm. So I think that there are, and I'm sure, you know, he, he's got those blue eyes that you think, dearie me, are, are quite sort of, but he's quite a, uh, a kind person at times. and Does he know what's going on? Is it people working at Chelsea that don't treat the, the true supporters with respect? <clears throat> and what I think they've got to understand is every season ticket at Chelsea is a lot of money at different levels. At different levels. And the... <clears throat> At the lower level of a season ticket, it's probably 10 times as much as it used to be. So, therefore, they deserve respect. It shouldn't be... And every Chelsea player, every Chelsea supporter is, deserves respect, whether you're paying top end or... Because, actually, it's the boys we're talking about that will sing and cheer the team on more than the people at the top end that might get a little bit, little bit embarrassed and are in their box watching the game rather than singing and cheering the club on. Absolutely. And again, Chelsea is, is for everyone. And when being there at Stamford Bridge on the Saturday, I want to talk about the Palace game in a minute, but I just want to mention about the atmosphere. It was fantastic to see you know, people around me, people hugging to say that they haven't seen them for 18 months. You know, People that normally they see once every other week and they haven't probably seen them. For 18 months, it was great to see people sort of interact with their friends and interact with each other, hugging each other. and whatever. It just felt the last year was a yeah. complete dream. Yeah, yeah. Just felt like yeah. last year didn't happen, whereby we had to suffer horrible punditry on Sky and BT day in, day out, and just watching football in empty stadiums and just, you know, just drove people insane. But... Yeah, as you say, it was great for me to do help out, you know, a, a fellow supporter in in Ireland, and I'm hoping right. with the voucher it will it will come good for Jacob, especially yeah, you know, for him being a um, being a young Chelsea send, supporter. Just do me a favour when you when you speak and just send my love and uh, and condolences because that mm. that's a really sad story, really sad story. So I want to sort of switch gears a little bit and talk about a little bit something more happy and that was our first home game against the Crystal Palace side and I know we mentioned it a little bit last week Steve that I saw Palace as a bit of an unknown quantity didn't know what to expect with a new manager and how they would set up so I was partly expecting two results one us to smash them. The other one, we'd lose one nil because Palace would have defended for eighty nine minutes and they'd beat us on the counter. But thankfully, I was wrong with the latter. We we had a very good game. You know, Tuchel set up again with Alonso on the left, which I was a little bit surprised about. But then after seeing what he can produce against sides like Palace, and I think there's going to be a lot of teams in the lower edges of the Premier League that's going to struggle. And I think this could be a season where Alonso will start more than he, than he's benched. But he came on, Trevor Chalaba kept his place. Christensen came on and, you know, I know, I, I know you're a fan of Christensen. He just looked so composed. He just looked yeah. completely and utterly in control. Didn't put a foot wrong 
and he looked he looked like the experience of him coming on in the Champions League final and being a man possessed trying yeah. to keep a clean sheet has helped and I think his home nation's performance in the European Championship with him playing every single game of that has helped because he looks a different player yeah I think we've, we've talked about him in the past and I, I've always maintained I think he's got everything mm. I think on the ball he's absolutely could be superb Mm. Um, and it's like getting a new player. When, when you know, he was very good for Chelsea at the end of last season. He really started to look the player he should look. Um, you know, and uh, as I said, Chalabar was absolutely superb. And you're looking now, and and what they're doing is they're learning their their trade from the absolute master, Thiago Silva, and Chalabar being the first team now and learning from. Arguably one of the best ever centre backs. He must. He has learned, and he, as I said, he looks absolutely a superb prospect. Well, this is something I wanted to talk to you about, Steve, because this is one of the things I wanted to get your opinion on. I know I sort of briefly mentioned it yesterday, but you being a centre back yourself and coming through the ranks at Chelsea, can you relate to Trevor Chalobah's sort of pathway in regards to trying to break into the first team and then? Now that he's pretty much, I can't see him going out on loan now, not after the last two performances. I can't see that. I don't think Tuchel would do that. But how important would it be for Trevor to stay at the club, bearing in mind the experience that he has to work with the likes of Rudiger, who's been at the club for a while, Thiago Silva, who, you know, my God, has represented his country. He's won so many trophies in in his own right Kurt Zuma who's been at the club for quite for quite a long time as well is it important how sort of crucial is it for a young defender to okay he might not play every week but he can at least stay at the club for at least another year and learn from the experienced centre-backs did you have that sort of a yeah, similar I, thing when you was coming through yeah I was it was slightly different because what happened is uh, we had the combination league, which was a very, very good league where people that weren't playing in the first team, you know, played in the reserves. So I was a 16-year-old kid playing against John Radford and or Ray Kennedy at Arsenal or or Chris Jones at uh, Tottenham or Jeff Hurst at West Ham, you know. And I learned my trade the hard way, playing against seasoned you know, professionals. But the one thing I will say is that when I played in the reserves alongside John Dempsey and Marvin Hinton, I owe those two an awful lot, especially Marvin Hinton, because hmm. he taught me through a game. And he, he helped me unbelievable. And Marvin was, you know, everyone that knows him will tell you he's a, he's a fantastic bloke. And he took the time. And for him, I think, Pep said it about Man City, about Foden will, will be better off staying at Man City, learning on a day-to-day basis, playing with better players and training an awful lot. And I think Trevor will do that with, with regard to Chelsea. He's got the best there is, I think. I think they've got, we've got some, you know, how many caps have all those players got between them? I think it'd be oh, quite an amazing. Yes. And uh, for him to work with them on a day-to-day basis, with his ability, could be a perfect combination. And I would not let that boy go out on loan because I think uh, with what I saw on Saturday, it was a, one of the, as I said, the best Premier League debuts. I think it was his debut, wasn't it, Keith? It was, I, I yes, yeah. And the way he went past, you know, I liked Maguire in the Euros because he took the ball forward and he went, he went forward and drove and made space for the midfield players. But Chalabar, Took that to another level. He was he was beating players and going forward, and he was beating them with ease. Um, uh, as I said, super player, super prospect, and I wouldn't let him go out. He, as he, did I not read that he played 138 games, league games or something, where he's been out on loan to? I know he's types. been at Huddersfield as well in his early sort of career, and as you say, 
as we mentioned before, he he was out in France last year, but yeah. it was his Premier League debut. What a strike! And as just what an iconic moment with him on his knees, you know, crying and again, real real men cry. That's sort of the expression oh, that you yeah. do here sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an iconic moment, and it again. It just sort of a huge relief for the young guy. And from the interviews that I've heard from him sort of over the last couple of years, he seems like a nice, humble guy. His nice. brother oh. played for Chelsea as well. Nathaniel Chalaber as well. So there's a, there is a family connection with the club as well. So I hope that Chelsea are not going to be foolish and waste this talent. You know, because well, I feel we... that with Tamore we could have kept him again. That's by the by he's gone now, but I hope he doesn't fall into the trap of someone like Tarek Lamptey, who has got a lot of promise, but then because of certain issues, eating goes permanently. And I can't see that, but I do feel that Chelsea could save themselves 50 million euros. Now they could save themselves 50 million euros by not signing that defender from Seville and keeping Trevor. And, and, with all due respect to someone that I've got the utmost respect for, Thiago Silva is 36 years of age. So he's got an opportunity. Tuchel might look at it and say, right, when things, when he's, you know, he's a perfect player to bring in. The perfect... And Rudiger's in his 30s as well. Yeah. So yeah. No, you have I, to sort of look at and, that. And I, I like seeing young Chelsea players playing for, for the club. I really do. And, uh, you know, to see, I remember the feeling I had when I pulled that blue shirt on for the first time. Um, and Chelsea were my favourite team when I was a kid. They were my favourite team. And it was the, the greatest feeling you could ever have. And you have to pinch yourself a little bit because you think, is this really happening? Is this really happening? Because no matter what people say, no matter how much stick you get, to actually achieve and play and pull a, the great blue shirt on, it's a great achievement. A great achievement. Wasn't just Chalabur who scored. Alonso scored a very good free kick. One of his specialities. And I actually thought Alonso played very, very well. And as I said before, I think that this season he will start more games than on the bench because of, from what I can see already after one week, the gap in quality in the Premier League. You know, you've got a certain elite and then you've got the ones that I feel there's going to be a lot of teams really scrap and scrape and claw them for points this season. And I think Palace are going to be one of those teams. I even put down Southampton. I think Southampton will struggle. I think Burnley, Brighton will struggle. Wolves, I believe, will struggle. So with Alonso's ability to go forward and be a presence and he's got that free kick ability about him. There is there is a chance Marcos Alonso's Chelsea career could be re-energized because of this, because he's got that capability to get forward, and it's another option, especially on that left-hand side. If someone like Pulisic is on the left or Mount on the left, just a quick one about Pulisic as well. I thought he, you know, getting decent goal against Palace, although be it was a little bit lucky. I thought the goalkeeper could have done a bit better if I'm being picky, but it's a huge season for Christian Pulisic. He, for me, it's not just how many goals he scores, not just how many assists. He's got to stay injury-free. Yeah. I, I he think has he could, to I, stay injury-free. I, I think, um, if I'm honest, he's the one that when he came, I thought he's going to be a player. And he hasn't quite got to the stage where I thought he would be by now. Mm. He still looks to me to be a a part player rather than an rather than an established player, a bit part player. You know where he comes in, he does it well for one or two games, gets a couple of goals, but he never ever has a real run. Um, and I think now Lukaku's come in, you know, there's one less place that that, that is going to be there up front, um, and he might find it hard, but. I think Chelsea have, in terms of strength and depth, probably now with Man City not having a nine at the moment, 
probably got the best squad in the league. I think. Interesting and I think argument. They've got, they've got the best in-depth squad. In the, you know, when you look at the players who didn't play on Saturday and you're thinking, my God, you know, we've got internationals that didn't even play Saturday. You know, and I think that we've got one of the best squads in the country. Kante was rested. Obviously, Lukaku weren't signed in time and also he was isolated as well. Yeah. You, but you've got... And this is this is the interesting thing about Chelsea. Well. Chilwell Chilwell was Chilwell was on the bench, but you've got players that weren't even on the bench. They whether they were at the ground or they were at home, but you've got players like Danny Drinkwater, Bakayoko, Dujon Sterling, who was part of preseason beforehand. You've got players like that. It'll be interesting what happened. Ross Ross Barkley. Yeah, the he, he, was, the, he was the main one. Ross Barkley. These players. Yeah. How are they going to get into the side? Loftus cheat. He was nowhere near yeah. the bench either. So the standard is getting higher and higher because of the success Chelsea ha- have at this moment in time, being European champions, and they want to be champions of England again. And it's been it's been a while. Twenty seventeen in Chelsea standards, it's a bit of a sort of a dry patch, but. This could be the year. I'm not saying it will be. I don't believe... I'm still not adamantly sure Chelsea could win it this season. But there's a chance. And massive games coming up now. Yes, we've beaten Palace. Palace, I thought, were poor. Zaha, for me, completely overrated. The one player that I was interested in looking at was the young defender, Mark Goulet. Former Chelsea player. Palace signed him permanently. I can see why perhaps we did sell him on at this stage of his career, but yeah. I can also see I can see a player there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. can see a player there. He 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 looked okay. He's got a stature about him, pace mm. iffy, if I'm being brutally honest. But Yeah, he's got, he's got, listen, I, I think I said to you the other day, having been there. It's a very important position, centre-back. It's a very... And usually, centre-backs come in a lot older mm. than, than really sort of, you know... And also, he hasn't played in the Premier League, is it? It's going to, he's going to take... It's going to take him quite a long time to adjust, having played in the Championship last year. Mm. And for all... He looks a good player, and he, he looks a good player last year, but he's got to adjust to... And that's going to take him four or five games to get used to playing in the mm. Premier League. Um, but um, and also, you know, can you imagine the kid? Of all the games you're playing, you're playing against your, your old club Chelsea at Chelsea. Mm. You know, uh, mm. so it's a big day for him. And uh, you know, maybe the day got and uh, again, you know, the the first game with supporters. You know, so all in all, things were quite stacked against him, weren't weren't they? So, uh, but he come through that, and he's a good player. I think he uh, will. I th- yes, I think. I can't see Palace going down all the a bit early to say. I, I don't think Palace will go down. I think they I think they might have just about it, just enough about them to, to stay up. But the one thing that did not annoy me because we were 2 0 up at this point and we were cruising, but Timo Werner's performance. I'm hoping now with Lukaku coming in, it will take the pressure off Timo because I still think that he's playing like he has to perform week in, week out, that he has to score week in, week out to justify the price tag, to justify what type of player he is. His touch was terrible Saturday. His his running's great. His movement's great. His touch is terrible at the moment. And it was like that last year. And I'm just hoping... With Lukaku coming in to ease the goal-scoring pressures off yeah. him, with Havertz coming into the squad as well, because bearing in mind he came on as a late sub, who you know didn't really need for him to come on, but his massive season for Kai Havertz as well. Uh, Timo's, I can Timo's got a tough season ahead of him if he carries on the way he is, especially with Mason Mount, the way that he's consistent with his form. There could be a possibility Werner could be on the bench. For yeah, a lot no, of the games no. this season. Uh, listen, you earn the right to play, and you, you're judged by your performances. 
And there comes a time when running about and putting effort isn't good enough at this level. Mm. It's your end product that counts. And you're going to be judged on your end product. Um, and his touch on Saturday, and his touch, he had a chance for the And he, it was dreadful. Mm. It was dreadful. Mm. Now, I think he's getting away with it because he's working so hard. And the Chelsea fans always respect people that work hard for the team. But there comes a time where he's got to be judged on goals. I agree. Um, yeah. What he's achieving. He's almost like getting worse at the moment. His performances are going backwards. And I think it's because uh, psychologically, it's in his head. I've got the score. I've got the score. And if you ask any striker in the world, once you start thinking about it too much, it becomes harder. Yeah. And that's why you get players, you get players a great exponent of that was Tommy Langley. Tommy Langley would, if a ball went into the box, bang, it's a goal. But if he went through, he broke, and he had just the goal keeper to beat, that was Tommy's weakest thing. He, he never had the composure to do that. He, he, he wasn't the best finisher one against one. And I think it's got in Werner's head as well. And I think that that's, I, I personally, I think when Lukaku comes in, I don't think there's a place for Werner at the moment. I would be surprised if he starts on Sunday. My front three, and I'd like to talk about the Arsenal game now, um, as as we are sort of talking, looking at ahead of the the weekend's game. I can't see Werner starting. I would have the front three of Mount, Lukaku, and Havertz. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Jorginho. Or Kovacic with Kante. I would have Dries James right wing back. With, I would actually start Alonso because Alonso's got a bit of confidence now. He was part of that team for the Super Cup, played very well against Palace. Keep the form players in. I would actually keep Rudiger Christensen in there, but I would I would take. Trevor out the firing line against Arsenal. I would keep him out of the starting eleven, and I would put that. And I would put Aspilicueta there, just for the experience. Bearing in mind, we lost twice to Arsenal last season, twice. A is very Thiago poor Arsenal team. Thiago Silva's Thiago... fit. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah, I'd play Thiago Silva. Would you play I, Thiago? I, I, I'm not a lover of Aspilicueta centre back. Okay, that's interesting. No, 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 but I, I don't mean that in a, you know, I, I think if you've got Thiago Silva <coughs> and you've got the other, I'd, I'd play those three. Um, and the, But the problem is, is you don't get out of Aspilicueta going forward what you get out of, of Rhys James. So, it, I don't know. I, I think, I'll tell you what, that's a, that, you've just pulled out of the bag there. That is a tough, team selection but it's one the manager will love to have hmm. love hmm. to and this is what I'm saying about the, our squad here you know um, Chilwell must be wondering when he's going to go, poor bloke he went all through the Euros without getting a game hmm. he's not come back to Chelsea he's not playing in now and he's a very good player and I feel sorry for him he's an extremely good player and there was one thing that I was talking to the, the chaps beside me we was talking about, you know, how I was surprised Alonso was playing, but with Chilwell, and I saw Chilwell was a better left back. But there were some games that Chilwell played as a left wing back that he perhaps wasn't great in. Although I do like Chilwell, I'm not sure Tuchel is a fan of his. Yeah. So that will be interesting. How it goes down. This season, that's why I personally believe Alonso will play more than he is on the bench. But Arsenal is a huge game. Yes, Arsenal are not doing very well at the moment. They got found out badly by Brentford. They are missing players. We, for me, we have to go for the juggler. We have to bombard yeah. them at the Emirates. We have to score, not just early, but I think first. If we score first, the crowd will get on the Arsenal fans' back, or Arsenal players' backs, and the Arsenal players do not like that. 
And I just think this game is there for the taking for Chelsea. We've got a very good chance to dominate not just the possession, but the forward play and not give Arsenal a sniff. The only threat Arsenal have is Smith Rowe. I think Smith Rowe's a, a very talented footballer. That's it. And if we don't get three points against Arsenal, that would be a huge disappointment for me personally. Yeah, they've been a bit of a bogey team to us the last few seasons. Yes, uh, they have. But, no, no, um, that's that, exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm yeah. a little bit sceptical. Uh, and I'll ask you a Sunday. question about North London. Did you expect Man City to go to Tottenham on Saturday and get beaten 1-0? No. You know, Highbury and Tottenham, the old White Hart Lane especially, were two very hard places to go and win. Hmm. Um, and... There's something about Arsenal when you least expect them to win, they win. Yes, no, that's my entire, my point. FA Cup finals, we've lost yeah. twice against them yeah. in FA Cup finals. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I think you earn the right to play. So I think the way we start the game uh, is very, very important. And I think we've got to get them by the neck and shake them. And what we can't do is allow them back into a game. We can't allow them back in because, you know, yeah, they're having a bad time. But playing Chelsea alone, again, with winning the European Champions League comes a thing that they will look at it and say we're playing, you know, the Champions League champions. So it lifts every, everyone against you now wants to beat you. As Man City found out. Uh, Good point. But looking at the way we're playing, looking at Lukaku, probably he made his debut, I'd imagine, on Saturday, um, and the way the team played on, on Saturday against Palace, we're never going to have a better chance of being Arsenal, put it that way. If we start, and we do get a goal, and we do start dominating the game, then the Arsenal fans will turn. Uh, and that's when Arsenal players will find it difficult. And that's when we, it's important for us like in the Super Cup, to get that second, get that second. Um, but it, it's a game that I fully expect us to, to win. Well, Steve, for the benefit of the Blue Day podcast score predictor leave, which congratulations everyone who is listening to this at the moment who is part of it. Everyone got three points. One person actually predicted the score right, so they got five. So they're in the lead at the moment. Um, so everyone got three points. I will upload a table later this week on our Facebook and Instagram page. But Steve, just for the benefit of this predictor league, and this is probably the only time we'll, we're going to be on air before the Arsenal game, what's your early prediction for Sunday? Um, I think Chelsea 2-1. I'll type. I'll write down Ars one, European champions two. No worries. <laughs> no worries. That is fine. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting come Sunday because again the games are coming thick and fast. We've got Arsenal Sunday, Liverpool the week after, and then in this uh, international break. So these next two games are, are massively important. But Steve, just want to wrap up the show because we've we've sort of discussed at length about the sort of previous two results of what's coming up on the podcast. Now we've got a few shows between now and the eventual first anniversary of the show, which falls on the 8th of September. That's when the first episode came out. So we're going to do a couple of special shows with that. We're hope I'm hoping to get a icon, a pure true Chelsea icon on the show for a player interview that will be announced hopefully between possibly end of August, might even do it transfer deadline day. Maybe we'll see, but negotiating with one or two Chelsea icons at the moment to be a guest on the show. So hopefully we will announce something very, very soon with that, but we've got some good guests potentially lined up as well between now and the end of the year. So that'll be great. So if you're a fan of Chelsea, from the 70s, the 80s and the 90s, this is definitely a podcast for you. And the, the feedback we've got, Steve, from the interviews that I conducted over the summer and 
again, believe you me, it was a stressful summer to get players, not just to come on the podcast, but to actually contact them. Bear it in mind, people live all over the globe. To have people like Gavin Peacock, Kevin Hitchcock, Tony Dorigo as well, you know, the, our latest player interview, Neil Barnett, Spy, you know, we had a two-parter with him. That was a phenomenal interview that we had with him. And that, thank you for everyone who's downloaded those ep- episodes. But people like John Sparrow, Darren Barnard, Chris Hutchins as well, you know, fantastic people who, you know, people might not think it, but they still hold Chelsea close to their heart, despite the fact that it might have been some time ago. They still care about Chelsea. They still see Chelsea as a, as a great club and they still enjoy their time there. So what we're hoping to have planned next year for 2022 is something quite special. So the, the players, the ex-players that we're looking at, I'll give basically give you guys a clue. There's three years that is quite significant to Chelsea Football Club that we're hoping to get people that were part of them squads, that were part of them years at Chelsea. So, Steve, I'll, just, I'll give you the clues as well. So, it might give you an idea of the calibre of icons and you know, fantastic people that I'm looking to get in. Steve, are you ready? Yeah, go on. Fantastic. 1992. 30 years ago, the Premier League was born and Chelsea were part of the Premier League. 97, 25 years since we won the FA Cup oh, under yeah. Rude Hullet. And I can't believe I'm saying this. This is making me feel old. Next year will mark 10 years since we first won the Champions League in 2012. So those are the clues where, with regards to player interviews for next season. And this is going to be a challenge. Some are going to be more easier than others to to get, to find. But, Steve, you've known me for a a few months now. I like You know me, I like a challenge. When it comes to finding somebody, I will work my fingers to the bone to try and find them. Well, it's good you had Gianfranco Zola's number then, wasn't it? You're not meant to. You're not meant to give the game away. Don't give the secrets oh, away. <laughs> but that's that's a plan we have for the podcast as well in regards to sort of the player interviews, and we are going to hopefully bring more content to you. You know, again, because we've got some fantastic people that not only listen to the show but want to be part of the show. So we do appreciate everyone listening to myself and Steve Wicks on a weekly basis and also the ones that love the interviews because Steve, you know, whether you've seen it on Facebook, the feedback that we've had from people for interviews has been superb. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the plans we've got for the next 12 months and beyond coming up on the podcast. But between now and Christmas, we're going to sort of do quite a bit more. We're also actually looking to do another shirt raffle. Um, Steve, we, uh, earlier this year, we did a shirt raffle to raise money for the Paul Cannaville Foundation, which raised yeah. quite a bit. So we're looking to do another one of them. That will be announced shortly. Um, so stay sort of tuned to the Blue Day podcast with that. But yeah, fantastic sort of times now to be a Chelsea fan. Who knows what the future holds, but this podcast is just going up and up and up and we appreciate everyone who is following us and liking our content, Steve. Yeah, and Keith, I think what um, you did for that uh, for that little boy epitomises you and uh, it also says a lot about you as a podcast. You know, that was a fantastic gesture and uh, proud of you. And uh, I'm pleased you're having success. You deserve it. Well, Steve, I appreciate that. Your your cheque of £100 will be in the mail. You said it was a 1000 if I said that. <laughs> it's on commission. Um, so, that's this week. We will be back next week to review the Arsenal game. I will either be in a fantastic mood because we've trounced a mediocre North London club, or I'll be in a foul mood because VAR or 
<laughs> certain Jorginho decided to not turn up. So that's all from me. Steve, is there anything else that you'd like to mention? To, to no, this no. Show? I, I, no? I, I, I said it all, Keith, didn't we, really? We you said, said it all. It all. So. Well, you said it all, so I will end it. Before we yeah. do go, follow us on Instagram where you will find some pictures and videos of certain... I've done some videos of myself on Saturday in the Shed End. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Blue Day Podcast where our interviews are up on there. Find us on Twitter, Blue Day Podcast. Find us on YouTube, the Blue Day Podcast, where you where this episode will be out as well as everywhere else you can find your favourite podcasts. And all I've got left to say is fellow Chelsea supporters is stay safe and carefree. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.